Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch With Jen and Friends. If Watch With Jen is the studio track, this is the acoustic version. Today's guest is William Boyle, the critically acclaimed author of the novels Gravesend, The Lonely Witness, A Friend is a Gift You Give Yourself, and The New City of Margins, as well as a short story collection, Death Don't Have No Mercy. Boyle recently guest-edited the eighth quarterly volume of By NWR, entitled Dark Brink of Love. It's described as a dispatch from the broken open world of noir and is now available on Nicholas Winding Refn's website that is linked to you in this post. Boyle's books have been nominated for the New Blood Dagger Award in the UK and the Hammett Prize in the United States. A Brooklyn, New York native, William currently lives in Oxford, Mississippi. He's a knowledgeable film lover with excellent taste and an avowed Tori Amos fan. I am so pleased to welcome him to Watch with Jen. Another thing about William is he's the perfect person to be talking to when you get to the second question and realize you've forgotten to press record. He graciously agreed to let me go ahead and start over. So what you're about to hear is me being completely embarrassed and William just being his laid back, cool self. Okay, so I'm recording now. Okay. <laughs> so that was just like take one. Yeah, it's good. I wasn't yeah. doing that well anyway, so I oh, get another no, shot. Oh, no, you're fine. Okay, so I'm a disaster. But anyway, starting over. <laughs> Yeah. So, William, how are you doing and how are you adapting to quarantine life? Uh, I'm good, thanks. Um, you know, I've just been pretty much doing what I normally do, uh, writing and reading and watching movies. And, um, you know, some things have changed, obviously. Um, not, you know, not going out, not going going into town, not going to work. Um, but for the most part, you know, things are pretty much the same uh, for us. I've, I've been... Um, doing the things I like to spend my time doing. And, um, yeah, I've been really worried about New York. I, I live in the South now, but um, all my family, all my wife's family are up in New York. Um, and so we've been kind of, you know, uh, really just stressed out about that more than anything else and how, how bad it's been there. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, aside from the, the kind of general panic and dread, it's been, it's been, you know, it's been nice just kind of, being around and, and doing work and enjoying watching films. Good. How about you? Uh, kind of the same thing. Attention spans are shorter, but definitely seeking solace in good movies, books, yeah. writing. I wanted to say congratulations on the new book. I know you were supposed to come to my local indie bookstore here in Scottsdale, Poison Pen. I ordered it from there. It's here, okay. signed, on my shelf. I'm so excited. For those listening who may not be familiar with it, what can you tell us about City of Margins? Thanks so much. It's um, it's uh, set in my neighborhood in Brooklyn, um, kind of southern Brooklyn, uh, Gravesend, Bensonhurst. That's where I grew up. And um, it is uh, set between, it starts in 1991 um, with a prologue, and then the bulk of the action is set in 1993. And then the epilogue is 1994, so it's early 90s. Um, I wanted to go back to the neighborhood as I knew it, kind of mm. growing up. Um, you know, I was in high school. It's kind of the, the early 90s would have been 
you know, in 92, I think I started high school in 96, I graduated high school. So it was really the time when I was kind of living there most, um, most intimately. And I haven't lived there full time since the early 2000s. So, um, when I go back and when I write about it now, um, and, and set books and stories there now, it's, it's sometimes a challenge because I'm there in my mind in the nineties and the eighties. Um, and even though my family's still there and I'm back there all the time, it's still kind of like my experience there ends sort of in the, uh, in this certain way in the, in the early two thousands. Um, but most of my books are set in, in this part of Brooklyn. Um, so that's not really different. Uh, it's just that this is, I think the, the scope's kind of a little smaller in this one. I, I kind of kept it really tight on the neighborhood and, and just, um, well, that's a weird thing to say because actually the scope is kind of bigger in this one in a lot of ways. It's an ensemble thing and there's a bunch of bunch of different characters we follow, but the actual scope of the setting is smaller and it, it kind of stays stays in that part of Southern Brooklyn and doesn't stray into the city or upstate like some of my other books do. Um, so yeah, there's seven main characters and, and it's just kind of it's a it's I kind of been calling it a, a noir melodrama or crime melodrama which is mm-hmm. how I like to think about it. Um, a lot of paths crossing and, and um, really influenced by film in a lot of ways. I mean, I love um, Robert Altman and Alan Rudolph, and I think I was really, I wanted to write a book that felt like that, sort of. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. You actually fed right into a question I was going to ask you. Cool. Um, while reading the excellent A Friend is a Gift You Give Yourself, which I loved, Thank you. I was yeah, so good. I was drawn to the way you write character point of view, especially its many strong female protagonists. They're all so specific and just so interesting. Your writing strikes me as very cinematic. And I was going to ask you if films had inspired your work, and it sounds like they have. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I think for me, film was kind of my first love. Um, mm-hmm. I, I loved books pretty early. Um, but I think I got into the books that I love through film. Um, I didn't, you know, as a kid, I didn't love reading what I was reading in school at all. And it wasn't until, I don't know really how I, I didn't have anybody guiding my hand as a kid with, with films, nobody in my house, um, or family or no friend that I think I can think of liked movies in that way, really, um, my, my stepdad a little bit, but even him, not really. Um, so I, I just kind of started finding stuff on my own and watching a lot of movies. And I think by the time I was maybe 11 or 12, I was watching a lot of crime movies and, and really, you know, obviously like probably seeing some stuff a, a little before I should have um, seen it. Same. But yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I saw Goodfellas and Raging Bull and, and, yep. and all that stuff and, you know, kind of changed everything for me and then I, I saw blue velvet when i was 12 and that kind of changed my whole worldview really mm-hmm. um and then i started seeing you know anything i could see i mean i go to the video store um just as much as i could i was trying to see at least when i was a kid 12 13 at least 10 movies a week if i could i had very you know lofty goals as a movie watcher i think as a kid and, cool. and kind of still and um, so I, then I, I kind of naturally stumbled into because of the timing, because I was growing up um, in the late 80s, early 90s. It was like this golden age of, of neo-noir stuff. So I just kind of saw that, you know, I saw the grifters and I saw 
um, whatever came out, Miami Blues, you know, whatever came out like that. And um, that led me to reading Jim Thompson and Elmer Leonard and Charles Williford and all these writers who shaped my shaped my taste. And it, you know, and it continued. I mean, I think I never differentiated um, between you know loving movies and loving music and loving books. It was all kind of just me feeding this mm-hmm. whatever whatever you know. And I didn't have anybody telling me that this is high art and this is low or anything like that. I mean, I just loved what I loved. So I kind of went all over the place and followed, followed things wherever they took me. And it was, it was a really, uh, just a great way to learn. And so I, I think definitely, you know, my, my visions of, of New York city and of the time were shaped predominantly by, by film. You know, I mean, I'm grew up with Scorsese. So, you know, that's like the New York that as much as, you know, listening to the, the Velvet Underground or, or the Ramones or something. It's like those are the movies that make the city for me. Very cool. One thing I really do enjoy about your social media presence is just how passionate you are about not only books, but music and movies. And I always look forward to seeing which films you've been seeking out because they run the gamut. Like you said, you, there's no differentiating. And that's a good thing. You watch everything from Criterion Channel titles to cool forgotten movies you find on YouTube, and I'm always wondering how you find those. But have you made any good discoveries lately? Anything you'd want to recommend? Um, yeah, let me think about that for a second. I just, I've been kind of, oh, sure. it's been, um, I mean, I never know. That's part of what I love about it. I love kind of just following a thread somewhere and seeing where where it goes, and I, I'll go on these kind of random runs out of nowhere that I don't expect to and and that's always kind of what what guides me and what I think I get really excited about so last year I at the end of last year I went on a Audie Murphy run like a and I you know I've always kind of liked westerns but I'd somehow Mm -hmm. only seen uh, one or two of his films along the way and I think I watched 26 or 27 in in, you know two month period and um, so that was one of my great discoveries of last year was there's something about him that really drew me in as a presence um and a lot of my movie time at the end of 2019 was dedicated to finding stuff by him and some of it was pretty available and some of it was a little harder to to dig up um yeah lately i've been this year so far i think the kind of three major things uh, I, I went on a little bit of an Edgar G. Ulmer kick. Um, you know, Detour was a movie that absolutely changed my life. You know, it was one of those movies I saw when I was in that age range of 12, 13. Um, it was just randomly on, I think, PBS one night, and I saw it, and I I loved it. You know, I just, I don't know if I knew why I loved it at that time, but I loved it. And um, I realized recently that I hadn't, actually seen a ton of his movies i'd only seen detour and the black cat i think maybe one other one um so i started off the year by just kind of dedicating myself to trying to watch some edgar g elmer movies i think i watched nine um so that was fun and there are a couple of really like great surprises in there um this movie saint benny the dip um which i loved which is kind of a crime comedy thing in the early 50s um, and that's i think it's on it's definitely on youtube and i think it's also on prime it's not a very good print it's like public mm-hmm. domain 
crappy print, but um, that was a, that was a good one. And his um, this melodrama he made in the '40s called Her Sister's Secret. I love that. Okay. Um, and th- then I discovered a, a thing that blew me away recently was this um, writer director who I'd never heard of named Erin Dig- Dignan, D-I-G-N-A-M, okay. and she made two movies in the '90s. Um, that she wrote and directed one. The first one is called Denial, and the second one is called Love, Loved. Sorry, they both star Robin Wright, and um, wow. uh, the first one also is who else is in it? Jason Patrick and Ray Don Chong, and then okay. in Loved is Robin Wright, uh, William Hurt, um, Sean wow. Penn, a couple other people, and I was like just blown away that I'd never even heard of these films. This is kind of my, my favorite kind of discovery, I think. And they're really both, um, they were both great. They both kind of blew me away. Denial. Um, I liked a lot and then loved, I thought was just kind of a masterpiece. And then, you know, she, her credits get kind of weird and she disappears for a while. And then she's got some screenwriting credits in the, late 2000s and the 2010s and they're prominent movies but they're movies that didn't um do anything um the first one is called the yellow handkerchief so i watched that too um i can't remember the director's name but it also stars william hurt and kristen stewart yeah yeah Yeah. eddie redmayne and um so that's it's based on a pete hamill this is actually how i found her actually was that i i was looking up Pete Hamill's screenwriting credits for some reason. And I saw that he was credited with a story on this movie, the yellow handkerchief. And then I found her and I watched that movie. And then I went back and watched the other ones. Um, and yeah, yellow handkerchiefs. Okay. It's pretty good. But those, those nineties movies were the ones that were really, I don't know. I have a nineties, a nineties, um, the thing for the nineties, obviously, um, you know, I, it was, it, it yes. was my, it was my time. And yep. <laughs> I think I, you know, I love, finding stuff um from that time that i kind of even though i was paying so much attention at that time i think i you know i if i spaced on something it's just kind of or if i missed something it just kind of disappeared for all these years um i've so i kind of a couple of other movies from that time that i've watched recently that i had no idea about um were um okay garage uh with lily taylor and um john Turturro, and it's it's uh it was a movie that i could not imagine that i'd missed given the cast just those two yeah. alone and actually jed uh our mutual friend jed um let me know about this movie i think it's on prime it's under a different title it looks okay. like a bad racing movie it's called all revved up or something like that <laughs> um, but the movie's actually just like a quiet new york city character thing from the early from the late 90s um uh which is you know just right up my alley so that was another good one um i found this movie from the early 90s called handgun that i never heard of which also had an amazing cast um and uh, it was the only movie written and directed by this guy whitney rancic and you can watch it on vimeo for free um and it was just like another one of those movies where uh, Treat Williams, Seymour Cassell, um, like a bunch of people from The Sopranos before The Sopranos, um, and it's just this, you know, New York City crime comedy thing from maybe ninety four, ninety five. 
um, that kind of blew me away. So that's been those have been some of my bigger discoveries. But I like I like keeping track of kind of my favorite um, first time viewings of uh, you know. Um, so I do that as much as I can. Are you on Letterboxd? I am. Yeah. Okay. I am. And I have that's actually I just started that because I like um, I like those um, pure cinema guys um and they do oh, Brian, you know, yeah yeah and he Brian, Brian does a yeah he does uh he does a lot of like favorite first time viewings uh, and so that kind of inspired me to keep track of that stuff a little bit more i mean i think i was always logging the movies that i watched on letterbox but i was never making specific lists like oh, these are the movies i watched this year for the first time that are older films that i've never seen that that just blew me away um so that's been fun to to keep track of that stuff I need to get more ambitious with my list there. I'm always uh, logging things and yeah. then looking back because actually Brian was the one that inspired me to do it. Right. I yeah. would write for his site like a couple times a yeah, year, yeah. you know, best discoveries or that kind right. of thing. And That's then right. have I have to remember, that. yeah, like what did I watch? So yeah. <laughs> it was a good way to start keeping track of that. Yeah, it's really, and I also like, um, I like the list function just because sometimes like, when City of Margins came out, um, I thought I was talking about films that inspired it. And I thought I should have just been keeping track as I wrote the book of every film I thought of or every, you know, everything. And so I kind of went back and did that and assembled the list for City of Margins as like 50 films that in some way, even if it's only really minor way, um, inspired something in the book or I, that, that I was thinking about. Now, the new thing I'm working on, I'm doing it as I do it. So... I don't have to go back and dig through my my notes or my memories to kind of try to figure out what it was. But yeah, I, I really I really enjoy it. Um, you know, it's a fun it's a fun thing and a uh, definitely a nice way of of kind of keeping track of stuff because some some stuff I remember and some stuff just kind of flits away very quickly. And I like being able to look back and think about the you know what I've been watching and why and you know, there's a story there. I think you know. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, it sounds like you're finding a lot of good ones streaming, but are you still a collector of physical media or have you started to like cut back on that? I am. No, I love physical media. Um, I watch a lot of stuff streaming because, um, I don't know, I mean, I think it, I think it helps me watch more, um, mm -hmm. ultimately. You know, I think I can watch stuff while I'm out or, at the, you know, if I, if I, I mean, I, I sometimes think I, I, mean, I haven't been doing it during quarantine, but I go to the gym just so I can watch movies on my phone, basically, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, and, you know, so I'll watch a lot of stuff on my phone, especially if it's like, uh, I mean, I know that's not a great thing to admit, but I will, I will do it. And, um, especially if it's like a crappy YouTube print or something, I don't really feel too bad about watching it on my phone, but I love, um. That's I smart. Love physical... It would make me exercise more, I think, yeah. if I did it while I was watching movies. That's yeah, what's that's missing a... from, like, physical therapy, and that's keep people motivated, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's all Sorry I to... need. Yeah. Um, I love that no. idea. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, it, it really does. It does motivate me, ultimately. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I do a, a half-assed job when I go to the gym, like, but I, I'm more excited about getting to watch a movie, like having an hour, hour and a half where mm -hmm. I could just kind of go on a bike or, or treadmill or whatever and just watch a, watch a movie. Um, but yeah, physical, physical media has always been really important to me. I think I'm, 
I kind of don't feel like I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't like not to have a physical version of something that I love. So I think mm-hmm. I, um, definitely love, you know, I love all forms of anything, music, you know, records, um, CDs, cassettes. I love, I love all that stuff. Um, I do listen a lot on streaming, but, um, you know, obviously books, I love physical stuff. I don't really read a lot on Kindle, but I think, um, more than ever, I've been kind of collecting Blu-rays lately. So, um, I just like it. I mean, I've always, I've always loved, um, having that, you know, having, having a kind of library of stuff around. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's just something, there's something exciting about it, especially when it's something that's like kind of, you can't find streaming and you can only get a physical copy. Um, so I think I'm always kind of thinking about that and I like supporting any of those kind of great, um, labels that are putting out this stuff you know, mm-hmm. from Criterion to Arrow to Kino Lorber or you know whoever so I, I like um I like getting as many as I can I mean I, I can't go broke doing it but I try to I try to get a, at least a couple a month if I can smart do you have enough shelf space that is my eternal battle I never have enough shelf space no so I have, like bags of book or DVDs yeah and, yeah it's no, I'm like uh, I'm I'm like that too. I'm just kind of a, I've always been a collector of books yep. and records and tapes and 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 movies, but I'm not like a good uh, store of those things. I'm not. Uh, I don't have great shelves. I just kind of pile things on on my desks and tables. And I have some book <laughs> I have bookcases, but I just yeah. have like you know milk crates full of Blu-rays and a couple of couple of old cabinets. So. I'm not great at uh, at doing that. No, and everybody's like, "Oh, just keep them alphabetized." And yeah. There's too many. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like. There's something I like about every time I want to find something, it's like a digging. massive search. Yeah. I mean, I like that. I like digging around in record stores. I like, you know, I like the idea that if I want to find this book, it's not exactly where I know it is. Like, I got to go do some work to remember mm-hmm. where I last put it or if it's hidden in a row behind a row on a bookshelf somewhere or whatever. Yeah. Then you find like six other things that yeah, you forgot exactly. about or yeah. yeah, or you haven't it's watched fun. or read or listened to in a long time. Well, one thing I was going to say too, additional congratulations on your collaboration with uh, Nicholas Winding Ruffin. Thanks. The yeah, the volume that you guest edited. How did you get involved with that or with uh, Ruffin? Um, yeah, it was it was kind of a strange process. Um, so the the managing editor of BionWR.com is this guy Jimmy McDonough, who is I think predominantly known as a music writer and film biographer. He wrote a big biography of Andy Milligan, that kind of underground director um called the ghastly one but i think he i think most people probably know him because he wrote biographies of neil young and al green um so he's the managing editor of the site and he is good friends with a friend of mine scott beretta who's a a blues historian and radio show host here in mississippi and i think he just kind of called up scott and said hey do you know do you know anybody they had they'd had somebody else lined up for it and that person wound up not working out, and he called up Scott for some reason. Um, and um, Scott's a Scott's a 
he likes to read a lot of crime fiction. Um, and Scott recommended me, and that was how I kind of wound up having a shot at it. And then it was kind of a, a process of pitching them on how I'd approach it. And they, they were really into just kind of doing it in that kind of as unusual a way as possible. So um, that, cool. that process lasted a little, little while. And, um, and I just kind of wrangled very quickly, wrangled together a group of, of writers. And it was, it was, a it was about a year, almost a year all told from, from it getting started to it posting. That's awesome. Lots of, lots of work. Yeah, it was, it was a ton of work. And, um, you know, I mean, I didn't have anything to do with, I think some people think I selected the films. I didn't have anything to do with the selection of the films. Um, which are great. Um, they're, they're, uh, it's, it's the noir volume and they kind of stretch the limits of what might be perceived Consider. as noir. Gotcha. I think, you know, but, but that, I, I like that. I think that's really, I think that's really good. So there's uh, this movie, Stark Fear, which is kind of a low budget, um, just psycho kind of knockoff from the early sixties made by two university of Oklahoma professors um, and then there's uh, this movie, One Shocking Moment, which is basically a nudie cutie by Ted V. Mickles or Michaels. Um, and then there's Guilty Bystander from 50, which is probably the most or definitely the most traditional kind of noir film of the group. Um, so they pick the films, they restore them. And then I curated the content surrounding the films. And I, for the first time, everything's free on the site. Um, and for Very the first cool. time, I did a lot of. They'd never had anybody do uh, fiction, so I did a lot of a lot of um, fiction, kind of inspired by the films, or just kind of bouncing off of locations or feelings. Or so it's it was it was a fun, weird project. I'll be sure to link to that in the post, and okay. I love that they are making those movies available. I saw. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I've been noticing some of the by NWR ones popping up on Mubi. Yeah, they do. The, I think yeah. they run them there first. So all okay. three of these ran on Mubi before they went live on the site. So yeah, and then they they've been also um, you know, they did the restoration of Night Tide, which is amazing, um, uh, with Dennis Hopper, the Curtis Harrington movie, and that's out um, from Arrow now, and it's it looks. I really want to get it, but it's kind of. I think the. I haven't seen it available here, so it's been kind of one of those Arrow, DV, Arrow Blu-rays that's more Got available in the UK yeah. and not as much here. But it's um, yeah, so they've been they've been linked up with some some cool places. Very cool. So speaking of movie, and we talked about Criterion. Do you have a favorite streaming channel, or you just kind of pull from all of them? Oh man, yeah, I pull from a lot. Um, I definitely love Criterion, probably, you know, um, probably most of all. But I also really love Canopy. Um, yes. I think Canopy's been really probably the place I go to the most um, in some ways. They have a lot. I mean, they have a lot of the Criterion stuff. Um, they have a lot of, and a, a lot of the stuff that gets rotated out on the Criterion channel remains on Canopy, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of Kino Lorber stuff. They have a lot of Cone Media stuff. So mm -hmm. I, I, I find a lot of amazing stuff on Canopy, but it's always like, I get it through the university library for free, and um, 
I'm always afraid it's going to get, it's just going to disappear, <laughs> disappear one yeah. day. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to have access to it anymore. So I like that. Um, I, I definitely, I don't want to plug uh, Amazon at all, but I do like Prime just because I feel like I find stuff, such random stuff there and I could just dig around forever and 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 find i you know just find a lot of weird good stuff on prime i think um yeah uh, netflix i mean i have netflix i'm not always it seems like they're adding more stuff i just saw yes. uh, an article today that they're finally like they're adding some kind of cl- actual classic stuff um which is something they really lack heavily i yes. think very much um but, you know, I, I do, I keep it just because, you know, the Irishman and, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> There's good stuff, but uh, yeah. Um, and then I've been, I've been kind of exploring um, some of the free sites a little bit more, um, like Tubi and mm-hmm. Voodoo and um, Crackle. I mean, there's like, that's where, I think it was Tubi where I found, I was looking for those movies by Aaron Dignam. And they were both on Tubi. So it was like stuff Good I couldn't know. find on YouTube or on Prime. I was finding on some of these sites and that was really, um, that was fun. So I've been, I've been kind of tapping into that as a resource a little bit more lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I just, I, I think that's about everything that I have. I have, you know, like Turner Classic app that I use a lot, but I just, yeah. I log into that through my mom. My mom's got a subscription. So I just like tap into her mm-hmm. subscription so I can access that app because so. <laughs> I don't have cable. Um, so I, oh, that's gotcha. my way of, that's my way of seeing Turner Classic. I know. And they were playing so much good stuff today too, like Laura to have and have not. And yeah. It's they just a some, knockout. Yeah. yeah. They have some incredible, they go on some incredible runs um, where it's just like, I got to watch rewatch or watch all of this stuff uh, and it's always exciting on turner classic when there's some movie that you really just can't see anywhere else no um and it happens pretty frequently i feel like um so yeah i mean i love i love turner classic i love i mean anything really that will give me the fix i'm i'm, I'm good yep. with but <laughs> spark your imagination <laughs> yeah. or send you on your uh creative runs i love that yeah. I like when a movie inspires you to look for something else, and then it's just a whole chain of yeah. more films and more films, and yeah, yeah it's exactly. a rabbit like hole. A, a week ago, I, I don't. A week ago, I never would have. I was on one different thread. I don't even remember what now. And now I'm like in the middle of this Tony Scott kick, and I have no idea really how or why it started, but I'm and just enjoying watching all of Tony Scott's movies, you know. Um, and trying to track them down and going to different places and seeing what's available where and that's part of the fun of it. Um, and that's been that's been actually I should have talked about that when I talked about recent film discoveries because just yesterday I watched his first movie which I'd never seen. Everything I everything of his I no not the hunger. So, oh, is there? Yeah, th- he made a short in the late '60s that's like a, an adaptation of an Ambro Beer Beer short story. But then right after that, in 1970, he made an almost feature-length film. I think it's about 60 minutes called Loving Memory. Um, And it's amazing. It's like a a Brisson movie or Bergman movie. It's like, you know, you would not recognize 
Tony Scott's hand in this, and yet somehow it also informs kind of everything that he does. It's just about an old couple who, uh, or an old brother and sister. You think they're a couple at first, but they wind up being brother and sister. That's not really a spoiler. Um, okay. <laughs> they kill a they kill a cyclist on the road, and they bring him home, and uh, and the sister just kind of winds up pretending that he's their dead older brother. It's kind of silent. It's silent wow. for long stretches. It's really good. So that was kind of like, that was a movie I never would have watched probably if I hadn't been on this kind of Tony Scott completist kick. Um, okay. So. Yeah, I'm missing a few. <laughs> Why I thought you were going for the hungers because I see it's on yeah. criteria. It's I, like did, I did watch that. Yeah, it's leaving this I month. I had never seen it, and so I'm like in the middle of it. I have to finish that. I'm watching nice. that right now, actually. Yeah, I just I rewatched that a couple of days ago, and I watched. Um, I think I have. I think you know if you count the if you count those first two shorts, um, he's got 18 movies. I think I'm like wow. nine nine or ten in, and and I'd seen except for Loving Memory. Um, I think I'd seen all of them previously. Um, and the other short I haven't seen yet. Um, but so most of them are re- rewatches, but I just, I don't even know kind of why it started or where it started, but it, it started and I'm kind of just really excited, excited to be in the midst of it. No, I love his movies. I've been wanting to rewatch Crimson Tide again. Yeah. That's going that to be one good. of my next ones. Yeah. That's, that's always kind of sat in, in my mind at the top of his, mm-hmm. um, filmography and but I, I rewatching deja vu i thought i loved that i love that yeah i think yes. that might be Up i don't there. know i think it might be his best if not one of his mm-hmm. top two or three and also unstoppable i think is pretty great um that was underrated for sure yeah yeah and um the one that i really i mean I, i've never heard good things about it and i hadn't seen it since it came out but i rewatched the fan and i thought it was I hilarious. thought it was good great. Yeah, it was great yeah so I mean, over was, the top but yeah. it was it was very like i mean it's like uh you know if you like like de palma and you like raising cane and body you know stuff like that then mm-hmm. you'd love i mean I, I would have to think you'd love the fan it's like just batshit crazy and kind of wonderful yeah. it's over the top de niro so of course i saw yeah. it in the theater <laughs> yeah. yeah i was like yeah. Opening day, dragged my brother. Nope. Me too. And I don't think, I mean, I remember seeing it because I loved, and when I was in high school, I'm sure I loved Tony Scott because The Last Boy Scout and True Romance were huge for me as a kid. Um, so I probably loved him too, but definitely De Niro. And I don't think I would have thought at the time, like, this is this is too much of the same, you know, after Cape Fear and King of Comedy. And I've seen people complain about that, but watching it this time, I was like, who cares? I mean, it's just so great. <laughs> Yeah, I think when people say that, it's like they haven't really explored his other movies. Yeah. If you watch Command Dog and Glory or Night in the City or yeah, yeah. other stuff, it's, yeah, there was more going on, but I think it's yeah. easy to to uh, throw him into a box. Yeah, the, he's always been kind of all over the place and doing interesting stuff, I think. Yeah, the other Tony Scott one that I just saw, I think it was last year for the first time, was Revenge. I had never oh, seen yeah. it. That is an interesting movie. It was wow. great. I, I just yeah. rewatched that the other day, and I also I hadn't I'd seen it, but uh, probably not in twenty five or thirty years or something. I mean, I, it came out I think thirty years ago. So um, yeah, kind of it kind of blew me away. I mean, I love Jim Harrison, um, 
and it's based on one of his novellas. So I was kind of expecting to be disappointed with it as an adaptation, and mm-hmm. I, I wasn't. I thought it was, you know, this time. I mean, I don't know what I thought when I was 12 or 13 or whatever, but this time I was really pretty um, pretty taken with it. It looked so good, and Anthony Quinn was great. He really I mean, was. Yeah, not a lot not to like in that movie, really. Yeah. I don't know, Domino. That one never did much for me, except I love the style of it yeah. and the look of it. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I just I just rewatched it yesterday, so it's fresh oh, in my okay. mind. And I actually remember Domino was when it came out. I thought I hate this movie. Um, <laughs> I, I, whenever it was, 2005, 2006, I hated it. I hated that style. But now that I've been in the middle of this kick, I, I think I I watched it in a totally different way. And I'm just kind of, and I also don't think like what I thought of as kind of hyper and frenetic in 2005 now is is not really as much, you know. I mean the yeah. way action the way action is shot now is so mm-hmm. much more kind of hyper and and just all over the place. Um, the Tony Scott movies don't look like that. They must have looked to me 20 years ago or 15 years ago. Um, but yeah, I, I liked I liked Domino a lot this time actually. Um, I thought I laughed I laughed a lot. Um, I think there's a I think there's a purpose to kind of what he's doing with a lot of the way he shoots and edits those movies in the in the mid two thousands that you know that come becomes clearer when you watch them all together. I don't know that might be a little loft loftier than I than I should be no, thinking I about can it but see that. yeah uh, it's nice to look at the progression yeah and i'm just glad you're another fan of deja vu because you tell yeah. people that and they're like really you know but yeah, i it's, think it's I, up I'm there actually i was i was pretty blown away by it this time yeah. I, mean, I remember liking that one when it came out and man on fire too but this time i was really like holy shit this is this this might be this might be one of the greats I like yep. I really like this movie. Um yeah. and Denzel Washington is just so I mean there's not a lot of actors of that level like him. You know, mm-hmm. I mean he's just so compelling. Even I even watched I watched the other day I watched the Taking of Pelham 123 re- remake that Tony Scott did thinking cuz I love he's the original. Good. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like why you know I that I think that was the one movie of his I'd never watched because I okay. thought why you know why or what one of the major films of his i'd never watched and i kind of thought why why remake this movie but i enjoyed it and i mostly enjoyed it because of denzel i mean he's just so good to watch like i could literally watch him do anything i think you know he's just great in it he's amazing yeah i actually enjoyed it too it was the one i saw first and then i did like a cops and robbers double or triple feature for my birthday and did like the seven ups and the original oh, nice. Pelham. yeah and so i finally saw it and of course you know that's towers over it but yeah, yeah. i think you know you enjoy it for what it is and it's pretty yeah. darn fun yeah and i think i think actually and this is not i saw some people i was looking on letterboxd and the reviews and a lot of people were um being tough on travolta and i don't think he's bad in it but i do think if there had been like like a de niro in the fan level performance mm-hmm. in that part, it could have really worked a lot better. Yeah. Kind of, I don't think Travolta was kind of 
over the top enough or something. I mean, it just kind of, it was kind of, I don't know, didn't, didn't work. Yeah. yeah, it was a little too straight or something. Um, but yeah, the other thing about Deja Vu that I thought, I, to get back to that one for a second, is just, I thought the chase scene in Deja Vu, just because you brought up the seven ups, and whenever I think of my favorite chase scenes, I think of 70s films, you know, yep. seven ups and French Connection and um, Bullet, or, you know, which is 60s, but whatever. Um, but I thought the chase scene in Deja Vu was this time I was kind of like, this is one of the greatest chase scenes ever. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I'd never quite seen anything like that, I think. So that was, that was cool to appreciate that. And I dig the way he uses music in all of his movies and using the Beach yeah. Boys. Oh, I thought so it was good. so effective. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah, even know how much that would have cost royalty wise, but I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the fan, the fan is all, Rolling Stones and Nine Inch Nails. I mean, it's it's a weird yes. combination. <laughs> weird mix. And Domino is Domino has got this, which I think made me appreciate Domino more this time. It's got this kind of collage feeling to it, just the way it looks, but also the way the music is cut. And there's like you know little wisps of Tom Waits songs that come in for like 30 seconds or 40 seconds. And so I, I, even in that one, I thought there's a lot of music I don't really like in that movie, but he brings in these little moments of of just kind of just great soundtrack moments. Unexpected trippiness. Well, you're yeah. making me want to go ahead and rewatch <laughs> Domino now because I think the last time I saw it was 2005 for sure. I watched it. It's on. Where is it? It's on one of those. It's on one of those free services. It's either on. I think it's on Vudu. With okay. Ad, cool. I mean, it's got ads, but you know, it's. Uh, it's unedited and uncut. And so yeah. I watched it there. Totally worth it. I always, I enjoy scouring their library. They have some really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. do. And I mean, it's nice, like in the, in the middle of a kick like this, like, um, cause a lot of his stuff, I've been really surprised to see not much of his stuff is streaming anywhere. Mm-hmm. I think like deja vu and unstoppable and spy game and, uh, one other one are on Cinemax. There's nothing on the, the hungers on Criterion. I don't think there's anything anywhere else. Um, and then like Voodoo, I think has taking a Pelham one, two, three and Domino. Um, okay. But a lot of his stuff's not super. You know, it's only available to rent or um, on uh, Blue. Oh, I saw Revenge somewhere too. Or I think Revenge I tracked down on. I found crack- it used. Yeah, no, it's well, on. It's on Crackle. Which okay, I didn't good. Have. Because I w- with that one, I was going to buy the Blu-ray, but the Blu-ray is only the director's cut. Oh, and okay. And the original cut. That's the one cut, I saw. Yeah, so the original cut's like... I have to watch like, the original. Yeah, I think it's 30 minutes long. It's like significantly longer, 30 or 40 minutes oh, longer. Oh, wow. And so Crackle is the only place, apparently, that you can see the original cut. I don't know why, but... I'm going to have to watch it there. That's interesting, because I've yeah. only seen the director's cut, so... Yeah, I guess right. and it was one of those director's cuts where he went back and trimmed the hell out of it. Um, so oh. I haven't seen the director's cut. I've only ever seen this original. But I think I, I'm interested in seeing the director's cut just to see what mm-hmm. he did um, and why he did it. And, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's there. So it's a good lesson to, you know, check your streaming, check all the apps, but also... Yeah. Look around for those DVDs. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah, so you have to have a nice balance. I like that. That's yeah, good. exactly. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to. I mean, it's fun to kind of get to play detective with some of this stuff sometimes. Yeah. For sure. I think you're gonna send me on a Tony Scott kick now. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I really didn't expect. I mean, I, like I said, I've always kind of liked him, but I think you know, I can't remember what the the motivating thing was for me. Uh, I think maybe I just saw Deja Vu was on. And Cinemax, and I just went back and watched it, and that was kind of the first rewatch. But I think, you know, I do like um, Scout Tafoya has a couple of, he has an unloved video essay about Deja Vu, and I think he's got some other kind of video essay about um, Domino. And his his kind of, I think I went back with his argument about those movies in mind, and it kind of made me see Tony Scott in a different different way and that was that was cool cool i'll have to look for those yeah well i want to thank you so much for doing this and talking movies and books with me i mean this is like oh. the perfect way to spend an afternoon so i really appreciate absolutely that. No, it's so <laughs> great talking to you i've been loving the podcast and you know oh, thanks for thank having you. me and happy to uh happy to do it I love it okay well thank you i hope you have a good rest of your day thank you you too jen All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen and Friends.